Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. I'm in my bedroom, but recorded this episode at the What Cheer Writers Club studio. A great episode. So fun fun story. So the Vern has been a guest on the show. He was a guest in 2017. I've been a guest on his podcast, Sim and Recall. We did a great episode about um childhood movies. I remember talking about Ninja Turtles a lot, so that was a lot of fun. We've been on a ton of other podcasts together. Some of them, I'm going to guess, don't even exist anymore. But the Vern, someone who's just one of those wonderful people I've become friends with through the hashtag Pod and Family, which is a great network of people I've met, the indie podcasters, especially in the earlier days of the show. And uh, so the way this ended up happening, I've Vern is someone I've wanted to have back on here for a long time. Uh, since 2017, actually. Wow. Time goes by quick, am I right? And so anyway, Aaron Alexander Edwards, past guest, uh, future guest as well, and I had set up an appointment uh, time to record Sunday morning, and she was flying back from home from Barbados, from Barbados. I think she had missed her flight or something happened where her flights all got mixed around and she wasn't going to be home in time to record. So Saturday night, it was like 7 o'clock at night and I had the studio reserved the following morning at 11. And uh, part of me, uh, a few months ago, I would be like, fuck it, I don't give a shit, I'm not doing this. But I was in a great mood and I was like, you know what, this is a challenge, this could be fun. I've, I've been doing this for a while, let's see what I could do, let's see if I could pull a guest together. And within two hours, the Vern was the first person to say yes. So thank you, the Vern. Thank you to everyone else who said yes. Some people I knew, some I didn't. And um, it's actually kind of was a really special moment for me because I kind of figured out uh, I some of the biggest logistics of making this podcast has recently coming to be a booking of how to uh, about. I, it's not my problem. Is it about who to have on? It's about enough time to have everyone I want to have on. Uh, just there's not enough hours in the day. Blah blah blah. Anyway, uh, this because of the way this worked out, I was able to put together the guests in a couple of hours. I ended up kind of having a watershed moment. I collected everyone's emails. Uh, anyway, I'm going to be able to be putting out more episodes more frequently with more ref- like I used to, and I'm really excited about that. And all of that happened because of you, Aaron, so thank you, and I can't wait to talk to about it on the next episode as well. But it worked out so well because I got to reconnect with my old friend, Laverne. Laverne is a film critic. He is a drummer, which I thought was still pretty fucking cool, but a film critic, podcast host. He runs the blog Video... Vern's video vortex. The guy just knows so much more about movies than me, which is kind of great because I really enjoy movies and I love them. And he's not someone who is like knowledgeable, but a douchebag about it. And I love that about him. So this is a really, really fun site. Uh, make sure you check out him on, uh, you know, all the things. Uh, you can hear uh, Twitter. He's at video vanguard the website videovortex.wordpress.com make sure you follow cinema recall on twitter facebook instagram all the things and keep an eye on the keep it keep it keep an eye on the site because one of the cool things about um cinema recall is that well it's it's a you know the podcast it's dedicated to discussing iconic scenes and classic movies which is really fun uh the most recent episode if you're listening to this in real time would be showgirls which you know is a movie that we do talk about in this episode as well that you know it it gets it's got a long history anyway um you can find me on all the things at let's chat podcast and facebook google at let's chat podcast and all the things facebook twitter instagram and you can if you want to make a donation it is uh and then, if you know, just set up a donation page, which is the paypal.com slash Let's Chat Podcast. Uh, I won't ramble. The next episode will be with Aaron Alexander Edwards of Business of Soul Searching. And let's get to it. 
Thank you enough. Um, so that, the short, short abridged version is my dear friend Aaron Alexander, who hosts the Business of Soul Searching, was flying home from Barbados, and she missed her flight by literally two minutes. And then she wasn't able to get a flight last night, and so she wasn't going to get into New York until this morning, and then drive to Rhode Island. And then I wasn't able to make it work tonight. So I had this like two hour gap last night where I'm like, man, I have a studio rented, but I don't have a guest. And I was like, fuck it, let's just try. And let me tell you, um, the outpouring of the – I'm sure you would probably you would relate to this as well, of like being an indie podcaster and doing this thing in our rooms for so long and to have that moment. I got multiple responses from people literally all over the country. Uh, like, you're in Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota yeah, uh, raised, yeah, local people I didn't know. So maybe cannot thank you enough. Um, so that, the short, short abridged version is my dear friend Aaron Alexander, who hosts the Business of Soul Searching, was flying home from Barbados, and she missed her flight by literally two minutes. And then she wasn't able to get a flight last night, and so she wasn't going to get into New York until this morning and then drive to Rhode Island, and then I wasn't able to make it work tonight. So I had this, like, two-hour gap last night where I'm like, man, I have a studio rented, but I don't have a guest. And I was like, fuck it, let's just try. And let me tell you, um, the outpouring of the – I'm sure you would probably you would relate to this as well, of, like, being an indie podcaster and doing this thing in our rooms for so long and to have that moment – I got multiple responses from people literally all over the country. Uh, like, you're in Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota yeah, uh, raised, yeah, local people I didn't know. So maybe like five or six. So it's just like this validating moment of podcasting of like, fuck, it's such a beautiful community to have of how many people came together. And you were the first one that said yes. And I was like, hell yeah, because you've been on my list to get back for so long. Oh, thanks, buddy. I always want to be back on this show, too. Um, I feel kind of, uh, I just feel nervous and kind of not ashamed to be back on the show, but you mentioned your other guest is, like, flying back from, like, a business and everything like that. Here's me just sitting on my couch on, like, a Saturday night because I was out late Friday night nice. uh, at my friend's CD release show, and we're having a few beers, and they're getting ready to go on this big tour in the Southwest and everything, and I was, oh, like, really so cool. proud to Who's your friend's support. band? Uh, well, they're, they're called uh, Chris... Uh, Rostec and the Wine Salt Gilliards, but also uh, one of their backup singers, her name is Mercy Valentine, uh, also known as Mercedes, and I'm going to mess up her last name, and she knows that because I can never pronounce her last name, uh, Mercedes Liz Leidenberg, and she has this uh, solo country CD, uh, she's put out her first EP, so she's going on tour to support that album as well, Um and these are all my musician friends that I have known back when I was playing drums for a band called Victory Riot. And we got to tour with all these great other seniors. In fact, Mercy Valentine, uh, AKA Mercedes, she was once a backup senior for Victory Riot. And Victory Riot, we did a lot of like 70s, like funk and rock songs and glam rock. We were like the, we wanted to be the Parliament Funkadelic of <laughs> Minneapolis. Oh. 
because we had yeah. we had like one time a horn section and we had like a different percussionist. I was the drummer. Um, at one time, I was just their dancer. I put on wild costumes and just dance in front of the crowds and everything, get people livened up. And then I started playing drums. Uh, then we had backup singers and uh, other guitar players. And it went on for like a long time until uh, my good friend Chum recently passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So the project had it. And thank you, buddy. And then, but I still been in contact with other bands that we, you know, went on shows with and became good friends with them and few of the band members have like a really cool uh youtube channel uh that i was a part of and it's just been really cool so this year i'm actually helping one of my buddies record his solo cd and i'm helping out with drums for that and then we're gonna go on tour uh in the summertime uh just for different local areas in the midwest mainly chicago uh wisconsin and minnesota and we're just gonna try and build up our reputation with that, so yeah, it was just, it was just, just kind of nice to be out and support uh, good friends. And uh, thank you for liking my photo on Instagram. It was the lady holding the CD. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I, was just, I couldn't remember her name when I asked. I was like, I was just lo- reading. Really? It. I was like, that was someone. That, that's uh, interesting because I feel like um, you, you could, there's always a saying that comedians and musicians are kind of like cousins. But I always kind of felt that too with film and music people. Like there's always an overlap <clears throat> of like cinephiles and music geeks. And which I'm more than the music geek side of that, but uh, fanatic of, I'm you know I have to say, and you are one of the reasons um, I've become this way is largely because of film Twitter. Um, I've now found myself watching movies more critically. I used to be much more of a pop, and I still love pop. I mean, listen, I love a good popcorn movie. I'm nothing against, never oh, yeah. against, against that stuff. But like I was not as critical. But we were watching Guardians two last night, and um, oh. I was having uh, for like the millionth time. And I was like, man, this is all just exposition. And then I like kind of like toned myself. I was like, all right, well, don't criticize. The movie is doing exactly what it's supposed to. Like I had like this moment, but it was like between like uh, Cinema Recall is one of them. I listen a podcast I listen to a lot. Like Blank Check is another one. Uh, I don't know if you know the he's on Fat Man Beyond, but Mark Bernardin. Like those are like there's a there's a handful of like film podcast. Uh, In Session was another one or Hydrate Level Four. Like I will like oh those are great ones. See a movie and then I have to like listen to all, like the big ones and then I ha- like a Joker that was another one. I had to like listen to everyone else's opinions and reviews of it before I can really formulate it. And I'm now like sure. kind of like through osmosis and like I'm not by no means a film critic, but I feel like I have so much more film knowledge than I did when I before I found podcasting. Well, you could definitely be a uh, like a film critic. I mean, what is essentially a film critic? Is someone that loves movies? Do you like movies, Chris? I like them. I'm, I'm definitely not a, a lover of movies. I, I, I'm really well, bad at what, seeing them. <laughs> when you watch a movie and you really like it, do you delve into that flick at all? Do you watch like the documentaries yeah, and commentary I, I, tracks? And... I'll tell you what. My, for my favorite movies, like some of my favorite movies, I, I'm more likely to watch a doc. I'm more like I'm a kind of person who's more likely to watch the documentary of the filming of a movie than the movie itself. I'm just like a docu fanatic. Like I've, okay. I've watched the making of Clerks Two, which is one of my favorite movies, more than I've watched Clerks Two itself. That's a good documentary, actually. Yeah, that was really, really well good. done. Yeah, it, yeah. I'm such a stucker. but no, I'm with you. I, I love movies. Um, I'm I, I'm getting better. I'm better at turning my brain off of when for certain movies, and I guess like I, I learned that a lot from Mark and Bernardin about like approaching a movie kind of for like what it is. Like I saw the rise of the Skywalker uh, open night. I loved it after listening to all the criticism. I'm now I, I've kind of stepped back to I like it, uh, but um, I also like understand why I like it and not love it. It's like, well, here's what it's had to do. Here's the issues that had presented to it. And here's where I think they may or may not like 
I, I couldn't think of another, another movie like or when people are right, Endgame when people were having criticism of Endgame when that happened. I was like, you know, anyone who's like, oh, it's too much fan service. I was like, well, you have to walk into a Marvel movie knowing what it's supposed to be achieving. It's supposed to be a it's a blockbuster movie. <laughs> and one of the things too is too much fan service. I mean, come on now, it's Marvel. It's supposed to be like their last movie yeah. in this phase of movies. Why can't it be? Yeah, like a fan service movie. It's supposed to be fan service. That's what they're going for. That's what Marvel has done from the very beginning. When they released Iron Man back in like 2000, was it? My gosh, two, I know. was it the year 2000? Oh, or 2000? No, it's, two, it's, two, maybe 2005, but gosh, it's been a long freaking time when like. I think I was in college when it came out. So yeah, 05, 06? Yeah, or four, probably five. right there. So, yeah, I think 2005. So, yeah, I think because. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, that just took me for a minute because I'm like, oh, that was. 2020. <laughs> it's 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of time, and now they're going to release uh, Black Widow coming out, yeah, which I'm, I'm very excited for. about. Oh, that looks so great. He's got uh, Florence Pugh in there. and uh, David Harbour. Oh, Scott Jensen. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be a great year. I think this year is going to be a great year for uh, female-centric Yeah, uh, I've well, heard, which I'm really... I mean, I guess for Frozen 2, which I didn't see, but it's supposed to be good. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, so we die like, uh, uh, give us some better examples of my, than mine, <laughs> please. Well, we know, we, we, yeah, we got, you know, a Black Widow and we got Wonder Woman 84, oh which God. I'm really excited for. Yeah. Uh, I'm even excited for The Birds of Prey. The new Harley Yeah, because I feel like those could and, be done right. And w- did you see Shazam, which was surprisingly good? I heard a lot of good things about Shazam. Can, I really have, which it's kind of surprised me too, because DC movies have never yeah, it was, been on my foreground. Same but. here. It was funny. Um, so I've worked in group homes, and I've worked in like behavioral health, and I've worked with adults. Adult. I've kind of worked in that world, and it was the most accurate prediction of what I've seen a group home look like. Like you never ever see kids, besides the fact that it was like funny and sweet, but it had and the emotional moments actually hit, which I can understand some of the criticism of some Marvel movies of, of that, which is fair. But um, the emotional moments hit and stuff, and but like there's like a main character in the movie who's like disabled and that never happened not the shazam character but his best friend before he gets his superpowers and like they show foster foster homes they had foster homes in it and like it had there's there's there was this element to it that added a level of like those are the people who are never seen in film or and but but and i actually had the uh, good fortune of of unintentionally meeting uh, zachary levi at comic-con uh last not this year that just passed so it'll be 2018 I, I volunteered and we were, I was a volunteer I worked uh, Tim Curry's booth I didn't meet Tim Curry but I worked with this PR people for a day and they're all really cool and at one point they're like oh can you go get something from the guest room or the green room but you're not I wasn't allowed in there as a volunteer but someone's like ah just go ahead don't worry about it like the the big person in charge and I walked back there I shit you not it was Tom Hiddleston not Tom Hiddleston I'm sorry um, the guy from Harry Potter who's also on The Flash Draco uh, something. Oh, uh, okay. I I know who you're yeah. maybe talking about, but you're talking to a person that doesn't watch like a lot of TV shows. Yeah. So I, I know. Everything I had a picture with the, I I had a picture with like the blonde hair yes. and everything, but and I Levi. would not be able to. Yeah, that, they were like sitting there at a table, right. just like having water, and I like and by the way, and I used to love Chuck, and this is before Miss Maisel had come out, and fuck Zachary Levi is handsome. Like, in real life, I was like, oh, my God. And then I saw Shazam shortly after, and I was like, all right, he should be a movie star. He's like Zach so Braff, I, but jacked. Chris, I'd ask you this. How did you get involved with being P 
PR at Comic Con. I mean, what company was this for? Oh, I, I was just a volunteer uh, this couple of years ago, which anyone could actually. I recommend this to anyone. Um, this isn't through the podcast. This is just they any any of these cons. Uh, the company that runs the Rhode Island Comic Con is called Altered. Re- I think Altered Reality, and they do uh, a handful of ones throughout the country. But you know, look for a con, and you can just sign up for a volunteer day and then to volunteer. And what you end up doing is like you go there and you get like assigned a spot, and you kind of kind of choose. And um, you have like X amount of hours you have to do, but you get a ticket to the con for like three days. So if I had more time, I could have gone work the booth for like four or eight hours or whatever, and then gone the other two days and for free, and you get a little more access. But they're very strict; like you can't ask for interviews. Like I didn't do this. so. This following year, I went to Comic Con. I applied for a press pass, and I got this is actually the first year of my life I got press passes to events. Um, this past year, which I had never done before, which that I recommend because that gets you a lot more access, but. In terms of like getting an interview at a con, that's a little more tricky. You need to have a little more equipment than I had at the moment. Okay, yeah, because I'm uh, trying to apply for other con passes. I want to be part of a panel. There's a local uh, Minnesota uh, con. It's called Convergence, and I've been to it many times. And I've noticed that there were a lot of like podcasters on these panels, and a lot of the podcasters that I saw that I saw were big, but weren't as big. I looked at their like Facebook page sure. and their Twitter page, and I'm like, you know, these these people are just doing shows out of their own house, and they don't seem to have that big of a following. I've got a little bit of a following. Oh, definitely. I should go ahead and try, yeah. and be part of a panel, not to host one, but just to kind of be on one, but I tried to do, do like press passes for GalaxyCon, which is a much bigger con that comes here to the Twin Cities, and to be part of the press pass, you have to have like 40,000 followers Jesus. on there, and you yeah. have to like, and you have to like have like legitimate, um, I, don't, I don't know the right word, but they said you had to have like a big social media following, and you have to have these many downloads of your episodes, I'm like, crap, I just started uh, Cinema Recall. We're, we're on a new podcast network. We used to be part of That Moment In, uh, but That Moment In uh, couldn't afford to host uh, our podcast anymore, so we moved out from That Moment In and just started putting episodes up on Anchor, and we're starting. We're kind of starting over again from scratch. You have access to your own data. You know, I still post like all our, our old episodes that was part of that moment yeah. in. I've now I now have to like re-edit it and make it just for Cinema Recall. I still write reviews for that moment in, and I think all the staff there are are really great. And I'm not gonna say any bad words to them. But our editor in chief, David, he just said, "Hey, look, I'm sorry, I just can't afford to post episodes because it's not doing any really great for me because I'm spending all this money." Uh, trying to keep episodes up on the air, and it's just yeah, of course. running me dry. So well, Let me ask you yeah, a question. Which I did you read all that information and then just not apply? Because I did the same yeah. thing, and then this year I finally applied, even though I knew I didn't have enough social media. And after some very kind emails from the fine folks that altered reality, they gave me a press pass anyway, even though – because I was like – Really? Yeah, and I didn't have enough numbers. I didn't have enough downloads, and I explained – I was – I first, they, they were very kind, and I was like, oh, thank you, and I explained – um. 
I get I didn't get the sob story, but I just gave the truth. Like my show was kind of on hiatus for a while and kind of rebuilding and blah blah blah, and wrote and it was just kind and yeah. Um, I'll but there's another another people I should put you in contact with. There's a Rhode Island based podcast, uh, but they're uh, called Chuck and Brad Podcast, who are past guests and friends of the show. But they um, host panels at the Rhode Island Comic Con, and I've learned a lot from those guys. And from the thing I've learned about them is like tenacity, and what they tell me is just like you just have to ask everyone, even when you think you're expecting a no. And I think that's kind of I had to kind of I've had this bit of a revelation in podcasting over after like I don't know if you had this too but like it took me maybe about six years but I feel like I finally found my voice and I used to talk, I would like talk myself out of it like in that situation like oh I don't deserve it whatever and I kind of started doing those things like outside of my comfort zone and a couple of times it's worked out because um you know so like for the, I got Rhode Island Comic Con and Canacon, I got press passes for this year. And prior to that, I would be like, oh, I don't have enough followers. I don't have enough downloads. And so I guess the, the secret is always ask. And if they say no, they say no. But at the very least, maybe you get in contact. But you can, all, you can always yeah. rent a table. That's something I actually really want to do. I just haven't done that because I'm like, I, don't have, I would just have a table with no stuff. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, let's just talk. <laughs> but eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's the whole. I, I I definitely I think this year for convergence is much more easier to get onto there because they're not like a huge convention. They still get a lot of like great guest stars and writers and combat artists and voice actors and yeah and professional if, actors as well. But but they're like kind of a smaller kind of a smaller time. That's probably and for the me, best way I to start. start. Start small and then yeah, as I'll, they grow, you get to be the guy who was there from early on, and then you know. Or, you know, I'm sure you've done this, too, with podcasts. It's so fun when you interview a guest and then, like, you keep following their work. And then, then they're, like, famous or they – or not I, – I don't think I've heard anyone in here who's become famous. But, like, like you know, you interview them and then maybe you keep in contact and then, like, some bigger opportunities can come from that. Um, like, I had interviewed people – someone, like, five years ago and now they're going to be writing for She-Hulk. So, fingers crossed. Look, really? Yeah. Like, just – but how lucky is that, right? Just by – just a just took a long time, so I'm I'm waiting to hopefully uh, her name is Dana Shorts. I'm hoping she'll come back. Maybe she won't, but you know it's still you still get to tie yourself to that stuff. So there's something cool about that of like meeting those people when they're early on their way up, and hopefully you you hit yourself to the right one. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, recently a uh, filmmaker got into contact with me on Twitter. Her name is Maria Galdino, and I apologize for messing up her name. But uh, I saw some of her short films on YouTube, and they were really good, even though they're made with a very low budget, entertaining. And uh, I wa- I recently watched her feature film uh, called A Slice of Life in Barcelona. Mm. And this lady did everything herself. Wow. Uh, she reminds me of Anna Biller, mm. who shot The Love Witch, and does everything herself. She uh, was a cinematographer. Not only did she write and direct it, but she also was the person who did the sound, uh, made the costumes, just did everything for the movie except for act in it. And I just find that to be amazing. And that's one of the goals I have for 2020 is to be in more contact with independent filmmakers. Um, I know a lot of podcasters' goals. You've had some great guests, though. Don't tell yourself short. Well, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely proud of that too. But I'm trying to get more and more into that. I yeah, want to support oh, I more independent filmmakers, especially people like Maria and uh, and Anna, who shoot everything 
themselves. Yeah. I'm a big sucker for people who have just that passion, and they did it for little to no money, and they were not expecting to make much money out of it. Uh, Maria's big influence is John Waters. Oh, yeah, of and course. The fe- uh, and the features that you know he made, he even got. She even went down to Baltimore for John Waters, like I think it was his like 67th birthday, and uh, filmed that birthday party. Yeah, I, I saw. I'm like really impressed with what she does and what other filmmakers do and I just want to become more supportive of that. Uh, I think when you have a podcast show or whatever you do, YouTube show or a blog, you gotta find a certain type of niche market and I think for Cinema Recall uh, we're definitely gonna do reviews of blockbuster movies but uh, we're also gonna try and feature more uh, independent filmmakers and more of like a, a cult status show mm. as well as like a, a blockbuster show. Um, yeah, we're just trying to go all out this year and I'm very going to be thrilled and a little bit nervous, uh, but I've been very lucky and fortunate to find uh, different filmmakers and whatnot through Twitter or through Instagram and just... You know, I'm honored anytime a filmmaker wants to send me his movie. Uh, I recently got contacted with the filmmaker out in Ireland called Robbie Walsh, and he kind of does the same thing too. He just shoots everything himself and very low budget, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Uh, I remember he sent me a movie of his that I wasn't a big fan of, uh, but in my review, I was upfront and honest, and we're still friends, and so, and I'm hoping the best for each time. He made the movie, and I just find that to be a very fascinating thing, and I'm still at the same time surprised and nervous about the whole thing because I don't know exactly where it's going to go to. Or Plus, I am I recently got fired from my job. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And, and so I'm like working on trying to find other work. I recently just got uh, offered a job, um, and I still let them know on Monday. It's just, but it's still like, for like a one-month job, but it pays very well for that one month, so I'd be able to like afford other things, and so, yeah, I just, uh, and plus I bought a house not too long ago. Yeah, so, yeah, so it just, everything is just going good, and then it goes bad, it goes back to being good again. Yeah, same here. Uh, one thing, I, I don't know how you handle this too, Chris. Uh, not well. When you, <laughs> If you look at my feed, you might notice there's been some months where I'm like, there was supposed to be an episode, but there isn't. (laughs) But, I mean, I I just want to ask you, Matt, you got an actual studio to go into, which is amazing. I'm so lucky, dude. Honestly, the whole show probably was about to end if it wasn't. Um, So for those who don't know, I'm recording right now at the What Sheer Writers Club in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, It's um, a little hard to explain. So it's a co-working space that has a podcast studio, but it's – it's literary, uh, podcasting, illustration. Basically, I just say creatives based, but they have events and very community focused. And thankfully, they it's a nonprofit, and they actually has so like I'm a member of the club, and then because of that, I can rent their studio. But they have like ridiculously affordable prices. Like it's ten dollars an hour if you're a member, and my membership I think it's like five dollars a month. So like literally, I can record one podcast, and it's only fifteen dollars. Where if you were to go to like a real studio, you're talking like. Uh, not to say it's not a real studio, but like um, 
it's not like an NPR studio where I could like record with those really expensive line in things or VO work. It's like some zooms in a room, but I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's beautiful. I, it's one of the most beautiful places, but yeah, that's changed everything for me because all my equipment died. Um, my computer, my computer crashed. I lost a bunch of episodes. I lost all my equipment. Uh, and then oh, no. depression and then, uh, oh. a lot of shit happened. So I was like, I'm done. And then this kind of turned it around and, um, has, and maybe, maybe, Kind of tying back to what you were saying is I feel like the podcast, um, I don't expect to. I would love to make a career out of it, but I don't think it's in the cards for me, which I'm fine with, But which I'm very happy with as a hobby. But then I guess it's what you um, – actually, I really think the thing that's really calling to me is Dogma, that movie Dogma. You've seen that, with right? That saying about faith is like a, a glass of water and sometimes it's half full, half empty, and sometimes you got to re- – I guess I, I got that with podcasting where I got burnt out from the remote part of it because it wasn't bringing me anything to the real world, which was all my own um, – I guess my focus changed. So the way like you're talking about the independent writers, once the studio opportunity kind of presented itself, my passion got reinvigorated for podcasting again. It changed because now a lot of times I get doom in person with people, which a lot of times I don't. And, um, which I like both, but it was just, I forgot where my whole topic was. That's the ADHD. But anyway, yeah, it's, it, but it, honestly, it's a game changer. If you are able to yeah. use your podcast and bring it to you to doing stuff in real life and including the interviews, um, it's about like that and how you, uh, so I got my, yeah, I, you know, the water got filled up. My creative passion came back and, um, it's how you value your time and, like what you're talking about when you just start to do the interviews that you just want to do instead of the ones like I need an episode, they're better episodes, yeah. they're better qualities. And honestly, some of the I finished 2019 be like, damn, I did not put out a lot of episodes. I did not do anything. And then I had like a moment where I was like kind of going back. I was like, yeah, but I was a guest on more podcasts than I've ever been on. And I actually started doing stuff in the real world. And I got a couple of uh, people wrote to me asking if we can meet for coffee for some advice. I got invited to a podcast studio party. I just did a tour of another podcast studio at a CIC uh, through Brown University uh, the other day. Um, like, so like, thankfully being in a city is near or at least near in um, I'm really fortunate. Like a community has really popped up, and you're. I mean, if you're near Minneapolis, there's got to be something out there. I hope. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what your show has done, uh, based on the different guest spots that I've seen you on and the guests have been on your show, I've been in contact with other Minnesota-based podcasts in my area, and in fact, I'm actually going to be going into uh, the park, the Parkview Theaters. Uh, coming up here and i want to say oh gosh i'm parkway theater gosh yeah but they're a theater out in minneapolis and i got in contact with them because one of my friend's bands they're called the von tramps (laughs) i love that name yeah the von tramps so they were playing at the parkway theater for a screening of heathers no way which is one of my all-time favorite movies and so they had they played there's like a bit staged in front of the the theater so the band played and that was great and but after they were done they were having the old like trivia on the screen and I saw an ad for the Parkway Theater podcast I'm like oh they have a podcast well that's cool so I went back home and I listened to a few episodes I'm like this is good I was in contact with them 
And so I, I emailed them, let them know that, hey, look, I've got a podcast show. I would love to – I, I contacted them just to play an ad of theirs mm. on our show. Maybe do like an ad exchange or something like that. Um, but I was getting, to, getting ready to start up our third season, and our third season is dedicated to cult films or unappreciated movies. And so I say, hey, look, I would love to have you be part of our show, and we can record via Skype or whatever. And they're like, "No, why don't you just come down to our theater, and we can record there." So, wow, uh, we're gonna be doing we're gonna be doing that uh, near the end of January, talking about Howard the Duck. <gasps> and oh, who's now to, part of the MCU? Yep, that's right. And and we're, I'm hoping to you know get more content with them. Plus, there's the uh, Saint Paul. Uh, film podcast and there's Rosemary's Ladies and the Not So Minnesota Nice podcast and I emailed them uh, to be hopefully be part of a podcast network and I only heard back from one of them which was the St. Paul Film Podcast as well as the Parkway Theater Podcast and I'm just going to try and build up a little bit more contacts. Uh, I want to start uh, featuring musicians on our show uh, I'm trying to get into YouTubing, but I don't have the right type of camera. Like, I have vi- video reviews of on YouTube, um, and that's just a whole different type of beast because I don't have any editing software on my computer, so it's basically just kind of short. Are you a perfectionist, reaction. too? Because sometimes I'll run into this problem where I want to do something, and I can't get it exactly right, and then, unfortunately, I'll just give up and not do it. <laughs> so I have to, like, kind of do that thing with myself, like, all right, it's not going to be perfect, so I still need to do it, but like I'll like I can talk myself into like I can talk my I can talk myself out of anything. No, well, see, we're the too late. Sometimes I'll post a video on YouTube and I'll have maybe like five views, uh, but then I post another one. It has already over a hundred views. Oh, like, the algorithm all fucked up. Really... But here's the thing too, because uh, it I just depends on when I guess I release a review because I did a review about the movie Parasite. And it was just my reaction after I saw the mm. movie. But I think it was like the first weekend it came out. And so people were, I just saw more of that. I think whenever you do a show or a topic, you just got to do what you feel passionate about. Like next week for the podcast, uh, I'm having on uh, guest Ryan L. Terry and a YouTuber, Ashley Burnell, to talk about the movie Showgirls. Oh, and Blank Check did a wonderful episode about that if you need some research, by the way. Oh, nice, nice. I would do it to the, that. Yeah, I, I've actually been watching the... I, I've, I've got Showgirls on Blu-ray, and I watched it with the trivia track. Yeah. And then later on, like probably tomorrow, I'm going to rewatch my VHS copy. Yeah, poor Elizabeth Berkeley, right? Because like, they were made that movie, and like it just sounds like she, you know, it wasn't her fault. Like She was just doing what the director had told her. And yeah. It was, what's his name? And, and, Van Roveth? Uh, Paul. Paul, Paul Verhoeven, Verhoeven did Robotop. And, like, she, Verhoeven, she's, yeah. like, way up here, and then everyone else is there. And, I mean, it didn't work. And that movie, in retrospect, is not as bad as people made it out to be. It's not that good. No. It was just, I, I think it was that I, I NC-17 think, thing. It seemed to be more of a marketing stunt, if anything. I, I, I think if that movie came out today in the age of social media and different YouTube reviewers, be, it would definitely be a bigger... Hit that what it yeah, was. Yeah, but it wasn't back- even, it was like, honestly, at least for my age of when it came out, it was, I don't recall how old I was, but I remember it being a big deal walking by the doors and they were blacked out because it was NC-17. Yes. <laughs> and then finally, finally, finally seeing the movie and just being like, oh, that's it? They're just boobs. Yeah, it, it, 
trust me, I would. I, I remember watching the film for the first time on like this like adult website. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Because I was like, it's Jesse Spano's tits, and because yeah, that's how old I was. And now I'm just like, oh, she was topless. All right. Oh, there's a sex scene in water that was not. And if you think about it for three seconds, you're like, that doesn't make sense. She's doing her flipper impersonation. Yeah. Oh my god. And the oh. whole time, you're like, the guy from the Flintstones is in Showgirls because that's where. That's right. <laughs> that's how I saw the movie. That's all it was. You're like, oh cool, I can watch the guy from the Flintstones movie and Saved by the Bell. Fuck in a hot tub, but I don't think they're connecting because they sure seem like five feet apart from each other. But, but yeah, I totally remember Chris do all the ads, and you're thinking, oh, this is gonna be like hardcore, X-rated yes. stuff to see in theaters. It's gonna be all steamy and excited, and I can't watch this. And... I, oh my god, I'm gonna be the old man. I'm gonna be the old man for a second. Do you remember when VH1 would show it and they would draw bras on the women? Yes. Oh, I, I yes, I, I do. Remember. In fact, I recently rewatched uh, someone put together a montage of all. Uh, <laughs> different edits i had the guy from well, ellen like, the ellen sitcom I used to love i was like oh you know what's funny about that movie like in retrospect all it was was like you're see you're gonna it was like a little before internet porn had fully taken off to what it is and like yeah it was really just like you're gonna see boobs yes <laughs> and now you'd be like all right i can i could see any of I these go online and see boobs that i want to see yeah, yeah for a lot less like you know, yep. like, but you know, it was like maybe that guy just had like a hard on for her or something. And he's a great director, and um, it really it, it kind of ruined her career. You know, that's a weird thing too, be and uh, I know that there's a documentary being made about Showgirls, which I'm very excited to check out. I forgot who's behind that documentary, but there's still there's still uh, collection funds to do the documentary and whatnot. Um. Yeah, I've got nothing else really to say about Showgirls, except for one thing, because you mentioned the VH1 edit yes. of the movie, the TV cut. But here's something, too. Uh, I recently picked up Weird Science, and I'm kind of going slightly off topic, but it's going to go back to topic again. So I picked up a Blu-ray copy of Weird Science, mm-hmm. and on the Blu-ray copy, they feature the television cut of <gasps> the movie, oh. which is... Which was, which was kind of a cool thing to see, like, all that. Because I remember back when they did show uh, a movie in TV, they had to use, like, a bunch of edits. You can't say the word damn. You can't word, yes. use the word hell. or It was a lot more, I guess, censors were a lot more, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, stricter. Thank you. And so that was kind of a cool thing to have both theatrical cuts and the TV cut. And I kind of wish more movies did that for fun. Like, I would love to see uh, the TV cut of Showgirls. I would love a TV cut of Pulp Fiction if they ever did, like, a 50th anniversary. Yes. Because they were funny. Because they, rep- they wouldn't do the beeps. They would, um, I don't know if this is kind of something that went in the way of the Buffalo, but they would replace the words. So, like, it would be like, that is it. I have had it with these mother flipping snakes on this mother Forkin, like, but no, that's too good Forkin. because they would never actually sound like the word. They would always be bad. It'd be like, I've had, yeah. I've had it with these fun snakes on this. <laughs> Phil, like, it would never make any mother's sense. Spate, yeah, mother's spaking plane. Yes, exactly. It was always like well, that. For, and it was, so, it was like comical. For Pulp Fiction, I remember they said like, uh, say what? Say what again, mother effer? And then in the actual and the TV because I say what say what again, my friend. Yeah, like, say what one more. Oh, uh, damn time. So, and then you kind of get into this thing like, well, how dumb is this? We all know what they're saying. Just say the word. <laughs> say the word. I, I I like it better when they just bleep out the words. Same. I think it's just kind of funny right there. But now, 
television has a lot of swearing. I mean, a I watched uh, FX. Well, I watched the third season of Fargo. Yes. And even other shows on FX, I mean, they are able to put some language in there. And I was like, oh, you can say this on TV now? Well, cause, you didn't say the F word? Yeah, well, cable is different. Uh, cable has always been allowed to show whatever they want. It's just they don't because of advertisers. It's, oh, okay. it's like the networks are the ones who have to go by the rules. But like... Because remember, like South Park would do, they were gonna say shit 116 times in an episode, one t- oh, yeah. one year, and uh, that's why it was like it was more about the people who didn't want to pay the dollars to be next to it, and so the, Matt and Trey went out of their way to find a way to make it profitable. But like, yeah, no, it it is, and it's it, it is funny how that's changed. Of like, what's t- I mean, I've been playing Grand Theft Auto a lot again, and like, man, do you remember like when? That era of like the Christian conservatives and like the Tipper Gore types, unfortunately, they team up on uh, like violent video games and causing violence and all this stuff. And then you're like, oh, I'm playing GTA Five. I'm like, there's a time where I'm playing this was like most like titillating. Like I can't believe it now. I'm like, this is not even. I'm so decent. Nothing about this is that. Or like, there's much worse stuff happening in real life than in this stupid game. We become desensitized where killing a hooker Shit, right. just doesn't mean anything. It's not fun anymore to kill a hooker on GTA no. Five anymore. Well, you know when all this, I saw this with the Joker. It's when you get the Christian right and like the far left kind of are on the same page. Like the whole controversy around the Joker, which uh, none of it was even worthwhile. None of that controversy was even accurate to the movie. Um, oh, the whole thing about oh this movie is going to cause more shootings and. And it's, you're gonna get more angry white people out there, and this movie is just damaging to other people. It's like, uh, no, what, 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 the funny, the funniest controversy about Joker is how people can say that uh, this movie is celebrating people with mental disorder, and I say you're not supposed to praise uh, Arthur and the Joker. You're not supposed to like him. No. You're just supposed to follow it. Like, I can, like, watch a movie like A Clockwork Orange and then really love that movie. I think uh, Stanley Kubrick does a great job, but I don't like Alex in that movie. Yeah, he's not like supposed to be Arthur. a lovable character. And, yeah, what, you, you know, it's, you know, hot takes a little bit late, but I actually thought, Joe, here's a perfect example. I liked The Joker when I saw it in theaters. I went yeah, listened to a bunch here. of podcasts, Blank Check specifically, Codex Prime did a good one, um, a few others. And then I was like, huh, I don't think that movie is nearly as good as I thought it was. It was kind of like what a, a dumbed-down Scorsese movie was. And then I saw Hustlers maybe a few weeks later, which was, I don't know if anyone out there, if you're going to see any movie, you have to watch Hustlers because the previews did not do it justice, and it was fucking amazing, and it blew Joker out of the water because they're both Scorsese-influenced movies. Like, okay. I felt like Joker was like kind of – Joker should have been better because I thought it had way too – I mean, I, I liked it. I, I think I saw it. I thought it was an A. Listen to and then some more critical eye to it. Give it a B. Um, not I don't want to be that person who should change things. The things that bothered me about Joker, I didn't like how the over it had way too much overtone. Where I wanted the class war for it to be more of an undertone. I also thought that would have been much more interesting. And it should have just fucking ended when he we thought he when he was carried off the taxi. We didn't need that last like fifteen minutes of the hospital that kind of erases the whole movie. And we didn't need to see the fucking origin of fucking. I don't. Know. I think there's some cool concepts that could have been that weren't as artfully done as they thought they were, but I still liked it. I thought, I thought the ending kind of uh, showed the point where the whole thing could have just all been. Maybe it never happened in his head. Yeah, it never happened. And I was like, oh, let's. I don't know. That kind of. 
I, I, I don't know this to, it's, to, it's, to be true, but there the rumor was there's another cut that will never get released, but there or written as such that um it was gonna be that scene was the hospital scene was filmed differently and it was gonna be uh, Joker uh, with the Waynes and then he shoots Bruce and then drops and then the movie ended was originally suppose supposedly there's like rumors online that was the original what and and so that's the other thing where I find it hard to criticize directors especially with Joker or even if you want to get into Star Wars is because like especially in a movie of that especially like Star Wars it's not a movie it's not a singular vision at a certain level it, especially Disney it's like a movie by committee so like Joker kind of felt like maybe if Todd Phillips could do everything he wanted it would have been a little bit different because that but I don't know. Hot takes about a controversy that no one remembers because it doesn't matter. <laughs> but no, watching was great. I, I, it's exactly, watching was great. And I know people have um, criticism about being like a Scorsese ripoff and whatnot. I still thought it was great. Uh, Scorsese was originally attached. Yeah, attached I, I, I didn't consider it a, a ripoff. I'm like, I, I don't know how anyone of, of our age who's making film is not going to be influenced by Martin Scorsese. He's fucking, yeah. he's Martin Scorsese. Can't you can't deny his yeah. influence in the movie? Uh, I like the fact too that they took uh, a character that we know to uh, different levels, um, which I love when each actor portrays the Joker. They get their own take on it. Yeah, and I, and I love that so much. I like I love Jack Nicholson's Joker absolutely. in Batman '89. I love Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight. Uh, and I and I love Mark Hamill, um, Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Hamill as well in the Batman Mask of the Phantasm is also great. And you have these different Batman, Cesar Romero, the '68 Batman as well. That those are all great Jokers, and I love that neither of them. Can fit into other person's universe. No, I, I, like, I, I love the idea that Joker's maybe a folk hero, and that people yeah. take that and like, um, unfortunately he's a villain, but like take the mask and uh, kind of like the Spider Verse, like you could wear the mask, anyone can wear the mask except it's about a villain. But like you know maybe that that maybe this version of Arthur Fleck inspires what becomes the Joker. I thought that was kind of cool. I just wish it didn't have to... The problem I found with the Joker was it just it was just a little bit of it was hitting the hammer on the, the nail on the head just a little too hard in a couple spots. But other than that, so that's why I went from A to a B. But um, okay. did you see Hustlers? Because yeah, so that's the movie that I, I tell everyone that you have to watch because it blew my mind. All right, I, I will definitely check it the out. The previews are behind. garbage. The rappers are barely, and I not against the rappers. Like Lizzo and Cardi B are almost not in the movie at all. It's legitimately a Scorsese. It's honestly, it's just Goodfellas, and and they don't even shy. It's very heavily Scorsese influence, but it has what Showgirls tries to do. Like it does have those very sexual and titillating scenes. Like J Lou does a really, uh, really. Like, they call it the female gaze. Uh, there's a scene with her on the pole, and she's fucking stunningly beautiful, and she's gorgeous, and she's sexy, and she makes you know she's it's it's everything you want. But then there's just this beautiful story, and then I don't man that movie really it took me it took me for a loop. Okay. That that was a movie that will take you for a ride because it, I, it yeah there's a part there's a part of it where I I well, I was like oh something's wrong with I I won't get into it but there was a part of that movie where it kind of did the twist and you're like whoa this really? they're doing okay. something okay. here um I mean it's not that much of a surprise it's it, it's literally Goodfellas and it's based off your life so yeah there's been like. A lot of movies I missed out on seeing in uh, 2019. Like I recently just watched Little Women last week. I wanted to watch that for 2018. Which movie? I'm sorry, I'm a big you. fan of. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I, I just recently. I, Hustlers is a movie that I definitely 
need to oh, yeah. check out. There's been a lot. There's been a lot of movies in 2019 that I missed. That even though I you know I write reviews for a website, I don't get a chance to see all the movies I want to see. So I just recently this week I did see Little Women. Is it good? My wife seen it tonight. It's, oh, it, it's it's really good. I'm a big fan of Greta Gerwig, and I thought she did a wonderful adaptation of it. Um, the structure. Of it is something that I'm not used to with the movie because she starts in the present day and then goes back to the past. A lot of time jumping, mm. which I don't think worked too well. But the performances from everyone are great. Trisha Ronan, Florence Pugh, Emma Watson. Um, gosh. Uh, oh, Emma Watson. Lord I met her once by accident without knowing who she was. Really? I worked at the Starbucks oh. uh, when I moved here. I was working at Starbucks in a, the Biltmore. It was a, in, now it's, uh, it was a Biltmore Hotel, and she had gone to Brown, and she was bald. And I was working at the Starbucks, and this happened frequently where someone would be famous, and I wouldn't know who they were because I never. I, I, first off, for anyone out there, I'm not a Harry Potter person. I don't really like Harry Potter or knew anything of Harry Potter at the time, and still not really not against it, just not a big fan. So I remember just talking to this English woman who I warmed up, up some milk, and she was having a cookie, and we were just chatting for a while. And she's like, may I have a cup of milk? Oh, and a, a chocolate chip cookie. And I know, and we were just chatting for a while, and someone's like, and this happened a few times, so they would be like, do you know who that was? I'm like, no. They're like, that's Emma Watson. I'm like, oh, cool. Who's that? Okay, who's that? <laughs> yeah, like Harry Potter. I'm like, oh, I never saw. I mean, it was still pretty cool, but yeah. Oh, she's a. Oh, gosh. I actually end up like now. I'm a huge fan of her as a human being and as an actor. She's yeah, very talented. That reminds me, Chris. So, uh, you, you know, you know about the basketball player Kevin Garnett? Oh yeah, isn't he in Uncut Gems? Okay. Yes, he's in Crunch Gems. Okay, so he used to be part of the Timberwolves back in Minnesota. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And when I, I used to work at a record store, it was a CD, VHS. They just started getting DVDs. Remember back when DVDs first started? They said, fuck Laserdisc, we're getting the good stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I worked at a place called Sam Goody, and I was um, just started my first year working there. And I remember this tall black guy comes into the store all the time and just buys a shitload of movies. Movies, CDs, shirts, like, a lot. Like, good $400 worth of CDs. And he comes in there all the time, and everyone seems to be, like, starstruck, and he signs autographs, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Who is he? Like, so I talk to my manager, like, who's the guy that keeps coming here all the time and buys, like, over $400 of CDs? And he's like, that's Kevin Garnett. And I was like, wow. Who? I, I don't watch basketball, so I had no idea. Yeah, of course, same here. People were so like, I'm like, that's Kevin. My manager's like, that's Kevin Garnett. I'm like, oh, and he does. Uh, he's one of the main players from the Timberwolves. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And so one night, it was a Friday night, and I'm working, and he comes in, and I says, hey, Kevin, how's it going? He buys the CDs, and I said to him, Kevin, let me ask you this: It's a Friday night. You're a highly successful sports star. What are you doing at this dinky little mall here instead of being out partying? I mean, I, I, I picture you go out to big night clubs and dinners and fancy parties. And jokingly says, what, are you saying because I'm a rich black man, I can't be here at a mall on a Friday night? <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. You can, you know, go wherever you want to go. I'm just saying it's, it's not like a race thing. It's more of like, uh, you know, like I'm a poor guy. I make minimum wage. Uh, like, what of my pay- what if your paychecks can pay my whole like, what if your paychecks would be good for me for a year? 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but he was just kind of jolting around. He's like, no, no, no. I'm just kind of getting around with you. I didn't uh, know he was I a. Just, yeah, I, I had no idea he's such a movie guy. Yeah, well, you know, no, he, yeah, he's bought like, a whole bunch of, like, CDs and movies, and I don't know if you have seen Uncut Gems. No, I, I listened to um the Bill Simmons report, like, the podcast, the Bill Simmons podcast, I think it's called, yeah. and he had uh, Kevin Garnett and Adam Sandler on, and it made me actually really want it. You know, I forgot that's out. I mean, maybe I'll see that on Tuesday. So my, the house I bought is about two minutes away from a movie theater, so, like, on oh, t- Tuesday, I try to make that, like, my outing, because it's $5 on Tuesday, so I'm like, if it sucks. Oh, nice. And especially in the winter, you just need, like, you get to a... A point in your life where you have to force yourself to get out, especially with the kids. So like that, the movie, maybe I'll make that on my add to list. Cause, but yeah, it, that, it was interesting. But but like we're as that actually connects what you're saying before is like look at that you were talking to an NBA player you didn't know who he is and now he might win a fucking Oscar. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but how I, I, I was getting to something else here. Wait, oh, un, uncut gems because you mentioned about uh, how I should see Hustlers, and I'll tell you what, man, I will go and rent Hustlers. This week, I know it's on on demand, so it's easier for me to check out. I'm sorry I missed it in theaters. I can't believe I did miss it in theaters, and I apologize about that. But I will definitely watch Hustlers uh, if you get a chance to watch Uncut Gems because that movie yes. is an intense ride. Hey, and have you let's do this? Have let's, you seen let's both films? do that, and then let's bring it to social media. So anyone listening who listens to this episode, well, we, they can hear. Then we can then we can give our 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 thoughts on those separate movies once we release this. Let's make this like a a, a post listen. Like if you listen to this episode, then we'll both go watch those movies, and then I want to hear everyone's thoughts because uh, I wanted to see Uncut Gems because I'm a low key uh, secret Adam Sandler fan. All right. And I'll tell you what, uh, on a recent episode of Cinema Recall, because I'm putting together an episode where I look back at movies that were very popular to see if they still hold up. And I've done episodes before on L.A. Confidential and Moulin Rouge and Big Trouble in Little China. But for this week, I'm going to be covering American Beauty. Oh, that's going to be real interesting with uh, the Spacey um, well, added stuff. Well, the movie... Yeah, the movie won like a whole bunch of like Oscars and yeah. awards and everything like that there too. And I recently <sighs> did rewatch it, and it's it's still a good, well acted movie. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna spoil it here. Uh, I'll definitely post that art review later on next week. Uh, but during that show, I will mention about my thoughts about Hustlers as well. Oh, wonderful! Um, so we're actually wrapping up on our hour, and I know yep. it's uh, true to true, true to form. You and I had a plan of what to talk about, and we're just I uh, didn't talk about any of the Oscar stuff. So make sure you check oh, out the Verne's uh, po- Cinema Recall <laughs> podcast to talk about his Oscar predictions, and maybe I'll see a movie. But uh, before we wrap it up, uh, what, anything that I miss, anything uh, that we wanted to hit up, or definitely please pl- give yourself all the pluggables. All the, all the pluggables. Uh, all right, well, Cinema Recall, we're available on Anchor, we're available on Stitcher, uh, we're available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Please try try and leave a rating and review, but I'm not going to force you to do that. Uh, if you want to follow us on the social media platforms, we're available on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall, and then on Facebook, Instagram, just type in Cinema Recall Podcast. Uh, I'm a film blogger, podcaster, who does take things seriously, but not too seriously, I guess. Uh, yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at Video Vanguard. Um, yeah, I... These... Haha... <laughs> uh, uh, my mind right now has a bunch of other words to say right now, Chris, and I just don't know exactly how to <laughs> form them. 
And the, which is, I, I, I want to go off to like the different thing. You mentioned the Oscars right now too. I'm like I want to kind of go off for that. My, I'll tell you this right now. I'm not going through all the nominations, but I do think, and I'm very strong with this right now. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will win for Best Picture. Didn't see it, but I just I'm gonna yeah a because it's Quentin and b it's a love letter to Hollywood from my understanding, and they fucking love that shit. Which I heard I, I you say because, on your very podcast, so I'm totally actually quoting you. As I said that, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm quoting Vern to Vern. So I'll let your head sink I, that one in because I totally did that unintentionally. I was just like, oh, shit, you're the one who said that. Because, you know, that's exactly, I was like, wait a minute. I knew I heard that from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, loved, are saying I, that I was listening to your Oscar prediction one uh, a couple of, uh, few days ago. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think 1917 could also get it. Uh, actually, I really want Jojo Rabbit to get it because that was one of my that. favorite movies. Actually, of 2018. So, let me end it with one last question. So, someone like me who okay. likes movies, but and I like to be part of the conversation, but I just don't see everything. What's the one movie someone out there who wants to like be uh, vaguely interested in the Oscars should see this year, like they hadn't seen? Or just what's what, well, something that's nominated, like like uh, a few years. I saw Birdman a few years ago. I was like, I always like to pick at least like one of the best picture movies to watch. I'm not gonna watch all four, but so what 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 Oscar movie the, should someone out there, myself or anyone that kind of can keep them part of the zeitgeist without having to see everything? What do you recommend? What from this year? This year of the upcoming Oscars. Oh gosh, well I definitely would recommend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure. Um, I also would recommend Merit Story and um, The Archband are both on Netflix, so it's easy to watch them, and I'm pretty sure those will be picked up for a lot of awards as well. Um, yeah, and a lot of times, too, I think the Oscars are doing this smart thing by putting together a list of movies that people have actually have seen mm. in you know, since years past, and I think that's a really good thing to do. Uh, so when it comes to the Oscars, just watch what you like. I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, George Rabbit's really good. Um, stuff like Merit Story and Irishman, they're on Netflix. You can definitely watch them if you want to. Most of the time, too, when I hear about Oscars... Most people wait till after the Oscars are done, yeah, and then they watch the movies. Yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you see a movie, just as long as you see it. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm be- I'm behind on seeing a whole bunch of. You know, what I just watched uh, this year for the first time ever was the English Patient. Oh, I just remember the Seinfeld episodes about that. Um, you know, so <laughs> but that but see that, that's the two. So it doesn't matter when you see it, when and after, but uh, tweet about it, write about it, start your own thing. You can you can have your own website about movies that were praised, but they actually are bad. So oh, like um, just do uh, crashing. <laughs> yeah, is that what it was called? The Oscar movie that everyone hates. Cr- Oh no! Oh, oh no! Uh, no! Uh, yeah, it was Crash. Crash. Yes. Okay, I'm thinking of people. Crash. Oh, um, I, I know we both have a hard out. So, uh, Vern, always wonderful to talk to you. We'll do something again soon. And uh, you know, you're one of the ran- one, you're one of the people I love out there in the film world because uh, there's people who just say this sucks. I don't like it. But when you you're like, I don't like it, but here's why, and that's what I find interesting. And you also say, I do Aww. like it, but here's why. Uh, I'm always more interested in the why than the the reaction. So I've always found your stuff critical, and you're a drummer, which is so fucking cool. But um, yeah, I got I am getting the light. So I uh, will. I'll talk to you soon. All right, cool. Have a good one, Chris. All right, look, man. Amiri Maudlin, the princess of trios, wakes one morning to discover her mother's dead body. Suddenly, her entire world is turned upside down. 
She must now become queen in the midst of a shattered kingdom while finding her mother's murderer. Is it someone in the castle? Meanwhile, a war is brewing with the other kingdoms of Dromolux, a war only Amiri's mother knew about. Will Amiri be able to save her kingdom by the time the official declaration has to be delivered? Or will Trigol's fall like the murderer planned? Did you like what you just heard? If you did, you're in luck. The Broken Daughter by Amy Shea, that's me, is available for pre-order now on Amazon for just 99 cents. Visit my Facebook page for the link, facebook.com slash amyshea08.